Asia's Developing Future, brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute in Tokyo, a leading source of knowledge in fast-emerging Asia and the Pacific for 20 years. Small and medium-sized companies have trouble raising money, and that's a problem, since they account for a large part of the global economy. If there was a way to make it easier for them to get cash, everyone would benefit. Peer-to-peer lending could be one answer. P2P lending, as it is known, matches investors with individuals and companies looking for funds. It's an internet-based process that is part of a booming field called financial technology, or fintech for short. When it works, P2P lending can help smaller companies thrive and investors make a profit. When it doesn't, P2P lending can exploit investors and borrowers and the whole idea can be discredited. A recent working paper for the Asian Development Bank Institute looked at P2P lending efforts in the US, the People's Republic of China, the UK, and Japan, and came up with some guidelines for the sector going forward. Traditional banks are often reluctant to lend to smaller companies because they have higher loan default rates and it is harder for banks to obtain data on their operations. The smaller amounts these companies seek means lending to them is less profitable than lending to large companies with more proven track records. But small companies make up 55% of gross domestic product in the world's biggest economies, the members of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. It has been estimated that small companies account for 60% of global employment. Give them easier access to funds and the benefit to the global economy could be substantial. P2P lending and other forms of fintech, such as using mobile phones to pay for purchases or blockchain currencies like Bitcoin, have been growing fast. There was $100 billion worth of new fintech credit issued in China in 2015 and $34 billion in the U.S., Fintech in those countries dwarf other markets with just $1.1 billion in fintech credit in Asia and the Pacific, excluding the PRC, and less than $1 billion in the Eurozone. So far, loans to individuals comprise a large part of P2P lending in China and the U.S. P2P lending to business is still relatively small, but it has grown rapidly. A close look at how P2P lending has worked in the countries where it has been tried shows both its promise and the dangers if regulators get it wrong. China has been the most enthusiastic adopter of fintech technologies. It has seen some of the biggest success, and its experience also demonstrates some of the dangers of lax regulation. Faced with a banking system and capital markets that catered almost exclusively to the biggest companies, it is widely thought that the government looked the other way when the fintech sector began growing quickly. New sources of credit were badly needed by the small companies that provide many of the new jobs in its economy. Without much regulation, fintech thrived and many new ventures were tested out. One of the most problematic trends that emerged was the practice of P2P loan companies guaranteeing large returns to investors. Instead of relying on the loans they were making to pay back investors, some companies fell into virtual Ponzi schemes. They started paying old investors by pulling in money from new ones when the loan revenue wasn't enough. By 2016, one report estimated that a third of loans made by P2P lending platforms were problematic. Eventually, the government was forced to tighten the regulatory environment. Many of the worst companies have been closed. The working paper notes that P2P lending for small companies has advanced further in China than anywhere else. The P2P platforms have also grown quickly in the U.S., but there, tight regulation has limited the usefulness of the sector for small companies. 
U.S. regulations do not allow investors to lend money to those seeking funds through a P2P platform. Instead, investors lend money to the platform and it acts as an intermediary for banks to lend to potential borrowers, most of whom are individuals seeking small amounts. The UK system may be the best example for regulators in other countries to use as an example, the working paper suggests. There, regulators worried that if they made the rules too tight, potential platform operators would just move to somewhere where regulations were looser. They decided to allow a relatively loose rein for the new sector, but to act fast when they began to see trouble. So far, that seems to be working, and small companies have been served well, with several platforms exclusively operating for their needs. Japan's P2P lending remains small, but has been growing fast. Lending in the 2017 fiscal year was two and a half times more than in the previous year. Japan has initiated what is known as hometown funds. These funds are intended for particular projects in one area, such as a wind farm. They attract investors who not only want to make money off their investment, but who want to see something good be created for the community at the same time. P2P lending in Japan has been somewhat stifled by regulations that make it difficult for potential platform operators to enter the market, however. Based on the experience of P2P lending in the countries where it has been implemented, the authors of the working paper have come up with a series of guidelines. They say P2P lending should provide a safe and effective investment channel for a broad segment of society. P2P lending should allow borrowers access to affordable and reliable capital on fair terms. Lending should differentiate among borrowers based on risk default. Platforms should provide investors with an accurate understanding of credit risk, and investors should hold at least some of the risk of the loans that are being made. Platforms that fail should be able to exit the market without causing losses to investors or funding shortfalls for borrowers. Lending should be robust enough during downturns in the economic cycle to prevent a crisis within the sector. A competitive market between P2P platforms should be maintained to promote consumer choice and avoid the systematic risk of over reliance on one or a small number of platforms. Finally, they suggest the sector should be socially useful and serve the real economy. This podcast was based on optimal regulation of P2P lending for small and medium sized enterprises, a working paper for the Asian Development Bank Institute by Naoko Nemoto, a financial economist at the ADBI, David Story, a graduate student of economics at the University of Warwick, and former research associate ADBI, and Bihong Huang, a research fellow at ADBI. This has been Asia's Developing Future. Brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute in Tokyo. See the show notes for the transcript and related material. For more information about us, please visit adbi.org.